Welcome to Recovery Connections Podcast, the show that provides information about helping you in substance abuse treatment. For more information, please visit drughelp.info. Now, here are your hosts, Recovery Connection CEO Michael Breyer and Chief Clinical Director Greg Grouston. Welcome to Recovery Connection Podcast, where we're here to talk about substance abuse treatment. I'm your host, Michael Breyer, I'm CEO of Recovery Connection, and my partner today is Greg Graustein, who's Chief Clinical Director at Recovery Connection. You notice how I changed it a little yeah, bit? Now you you're give it a little bit. Yeah, I didn't want to make that. My title. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, today's podcast number five, and today we are having the showdown. This is the big one. This is the question of buprenorphine, or as most of it as, suboxone versus methadone. And we're going to discuss the pros and cons of each of them. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this, and we'll deal with our favorite one of the two, not methadone, I guess, first. So... You want to, I know you love talking about methadone so much, but I mean, honestly, there, there is a place for methadone in the world. I mean, look, at the, at the beginning of time to treating opiate dependency, this was the only standard of treatment that came out. And that was at least something to help with heroin and opiate issues back in the fifties and sixties. And it was prescribed in such a manner to treat people with had issues with that on top of actually for pain as well. So that was the origin of it. But then as society progressed on to more and more opiate dependency, the only treatment available other than trying to do it on your own and to get supportive counseling and education and try to network yourself was methadone. And then that was the care that was done. All right. So in a previous podcast, we talked about you know, what you can expect if you went to a methadone clinic. And we talked about having to go day after day, which is a problem and that you're probably going to be on the bad boy list at least for a year before they're even going to give you some take-home medicines to do and all those other processes. But there still is a reason that people go to methadone clinics. There's a structure that is lost in addiction a patient that has become chaos within themselves, uh, be it ADD or ADHD on top of opiate dependency and disease of that nature, that your structure and chaos is so much that the structure of being held accountable to go into a clinic on a day-to-day basis to take an oral medication of methadone is structure enough to give that person one day of relief and or support. It was the standard of care. Does that match everybody? Absolutely. Not any longer. And that's where buprenorphine has been able to take that. So, so basically it gives you in your mind that every day I'm going to go to the methadone clinic. I'm going to get my medication and I'm going to be okay for the rest of the day. Correct. And that mental process of saying, look, I go in the morning, I can take my dose and go to work. And then, but I need to show up again tomorrow was also just a way I'm saying I'm addressing my disease on a day-to-day basis and I'm forced to. And if I don't go in, I could potentially not be able to be treated by them. I could potentially put on a bad list of saying, uh, of other uh, being called in and 
more importantly, if you don't take it in a couple of days, you can quickly start going right into the withdrawal symptoms. So, and everything all right. In well, that. so let's talk about let's talk about a few things. First of all, the target demographic of the people who are best for methadone would be first. You mentioned those people who might be ADD, ADHD, who like to have a regimented program daily, every single day. I'm going to do the same mm-hmm. thing. Which, which might be me, actually, because I basically do exactly the same thing every day, and I eat the same foods every day. I'm, I'm pretty much regimented, so that might right. be me. What about other types of demographics that have been recommended for methadone? For an opiate-dependent woman who has become pregnant, that is a medical standard allowed for, for treatment of opiate dependency is methadone for uh, a pregnant woman. Okay. So if I'm pregnant... I believe you have two choices, actually. So a pregnant woman has either methadone or what's called in the marketplace Subutex, which is just really buprenorphine without the naloxone. It's not not had the studies to approve for treatment. It's a doctor's uh, choice to make that treatment if they want to use Subutex, which is Suboxone without the naloxone in it. And the only reason naloxone was actually in Suboxone was just a deterrent from abusing it. So if a female, she's pregnant and you have, would want to maintain on buprenorphine, a doctor will put them on what was called Subutex, which is pure buprenorphine. In this way, there's no other extra chemical that doesn't really do anything. And it's up to the physician's choice to, to do that. Okay, so going back to the methadone, so there's ADD, ADHD types of patients or the regimented type of people. There's the pregnant types of people. Anybody else who it's... Well, by history, it was the patients that were just multiple hospitalizations or multiple detoxes and multiple just just could never get a good grasp on following a treatment plan and following through with their own type of uh, recovery in this way. And I don't like to say the word lock into treatment, but that's what it does. It's a methadone is a synthetic opiate that binds into the receptors of the bodies. It stabilizes that body for a period of time, but it's a full opiate. It ha- it can it can be a, a risk or a threat to take as well if someone overdoses on it or um, abuses it. It it can reach that so level. I've, so I've heard that one of the pros of methadone is the way it makes you feel. That in some cases, if you take enough of it, you almost get sort of like a high. Hence where they try to see an establishment over a year before they let you even have one or two take-homes. So the threat is that's why they observe you taking it in the morning to make sure that you've taken it and swallowing it and opening your mouth and to make sure it was so, so in some cases, the people, who are especially people who are heroin users find sometimes that if they're trying to appease their they're in some type of disciplinary procedure with like a drug court or a probation somebody like that that they go to methadone because it's not that far-fetched mm-hmm. from using heroin to using methadone or is that a little no, bit too strong that's a little too strong okay i, I, I liked strong. it but <laughs> I, I knew it was too strong no, anyways. I, I think the real the differential is the the dose that is in absorbed into the body the length of time methadone stays in the body and even goes right into the bone marrow of the body so when you are trying to decrease a person down to see if the lowest amount possible it takes an extended period of time to try to decrease a person down 
they're willing to go up quickly in 10 milligram increments, but they're slow to withdraw you one milligram a week when you're up at 60 or so, 70 or 100. Right. So what is the philosophy that they're willing to go high so quickly? Because they want to stabilize you as quickly as possible and they're willing to overshoot it? Just That's a little bit. Let's get there. Let's get there faster, quicker to help you with those behaviors. But to decrease this, we're going to continue to slowly do it so we don't get ourselves in a bind. And it, it uh, tends to have a very slow. Now, patients still have the perspective of themselves to take it or not take it. It's still a, a personal choice. And people have chosen to decrease themselves off at their will just because the facility doesn't want to. It's a person's choice to do so. But it is a daunting and difficult withdrawal long period of time to do so. Okay. So we know we we mentioned for a second here that the, the pro of taking methadone is that it does make you feel pretty good if you're taking it in sufficient quantity. Is there any other pro of taking it that you that well, you get out of there it? There is a sense of that structure a set of it. It at least mentally puts you at on a daily basis so that, that you're so that's all right. So that, that's that, the process. That's that's the process. I all mean right. and the and you might get a little buzz in the morning and as an addict, hey, yeah, I got a little buzz, but the stability for the course of the day to be an active community player, there is a level that can be part so of that. So what about what are the cons of taking methadone? I guess is the the other question then. I don't know if I really want to go into that level of what's the cons. <laughs> well, I mean, all right. It, so it, it can I, be, here, here's, it, here's, it, it, uh, but the con is it's very difficult to come off. Okay. So I've heard, I've heard that one. Off. I've also heard that it makes you drowsy during the course of the day that it's it actually. It's called sundowning and actually in the afternoon between for sundowning. Sundowning. So <laughs> during the sundown, usually uh, a person on methadone between four and six during sundown, uh, a person will can become a l- little bit more lethargic. And uh, they got to go live over in Spain or something where they take a nap in the <laughs> afternoon, ah, I guess. A little siesta <laughs> right. in Italy. But yeah, sundowning is a, sometimes an effect of uh, methadone as well. And they'll just get, and that's. Uh, okay. So it's, it's pretty addictive too. I, I would assume is the other con of it too. I mean, it's, it's. As I said, I, if you're coming off of it, you're coming off of it and some periods of time to try to either to come off to go on to buprenorphine or just to try to decrease yourself off. Or if you're being asked to be removed because you're not being really good with their treatment and they do a medical withdrawal when they say, we're going to only treat you for the next two weeks because you've experienced your urine screen's got too many other types of drugs in there and they were medically withdrawal you now at 10, 10 and 10 right down, bring you right off of it. It feels as a patients have expressed as being hit by a train. And or what I like with uh, uh, the description of it was like an internal earthquake that you're someone has grabbed your bone structure and shaking it hard with just excruciating pain throughout your body. So, I mean, the more likely scenario, then if I was being told to do that is I'd probably be starting to go back to using substances again. Potentially, that's where the patient will turn to saying, I'm in so uncomfortable. If you're going to be in such uncomfortable thing, the more likely that you're going to try something else to stop that pain. Okay. And yeah. that you've taught yourself before what that is, it's drugs. Okay. So that doesn't sound too appealing. So, and obviously if you're fans of this podcast, that we're more on the other side than the methadone side, but you know, that's not to say that everybody, it's not one, one size fits all for everybody out there. So a lot of different tools in the tool shed are getting more tools in the tool shed to help people. I, but I think that really the only other 
major tool that most people are aware of right now would be straight buprenorphine and or suboxone as, as most people have heard of it. Let's do this. Let's do it the opposite way this time. What are the cons of suboxone as opposed to the pros of suboxone? What are the cons? Are there any cons? You're, ta- you're taking a opiate-based medication on a daily basis. The stigma of society still thinks it's a crutch instead of a formalized treatment. In the medical world, we recognize it as a gold standard now of opiate treatment. You, the difficulty sometimes on the oral medications is still going to a pharmacy to pick it up on your own. I, I, what, let, I let, me, a, let me go down to like a go, one go, minute go ahead. rabbit hole for one second about the stigma. So for instance, I can go to a methadone clinic at five o'clock. Nobody's going to know that I went there. Right. It's not going to show up. It, my employer is not going to know that I'm on methadone because there's not going to go anything to that. What about, is anybody going to know if I'm taking Suboxone? that I'm actually doing that. Right. That's the glory of office-based treatment now. The person can go into their primary care, urgent care, or addictions facility to get treated with buprenorphine. It breaks a lot of the stigma when the law was passed in 2000, the data law that allowed office-based treatment with suboxone, buprenorphine treatment to be utilized. And instead of someone walking into a facility that has a huge addictions glory (laughs) and anybody in that parking lot, you were like, oh, they have that issue. Where now facilities that you don't have to worry about that, where a person's going into a different type of care. If it's a recovery center and says recovery, you don't know if you're recovering from diet. Right. (laughs) Hair loss. Okay. All right. So so there's really no cons that we can speak of. Oh, Oh, I guess... Let's be fair. What about if I don't take my Suboxone on a continuous basis? Is there a con to that? What's the downside? There's still a con if you come off. It, buprenorphine is a partial opiate, so it is still going to the receptors. It's creating a dopamine level and a pain and a release and a blocker of cravings. But the what's called half-life or how long it stays in a therapeutic range ranges for a couple days when you're taking it on a daily basis. So if I stop using it abruptly, that I'm not going to start experiencing withdrawals for a couple days. And then if I continue not, and depending on how long I've been on it, I will then start really experiencing some of my withdrawal symptoms. So it takes a longer fall to experience those withdrawals if you abruptly stop. If you're titrating and the doctor is reducing the dose as they can to see if there's any return of symptoms, you're not going to really experience any withdrawal symptoms because you're dropping down on a shorter level and it's already on what I call like the, the cross country ski path where it's low, slower before. A lower, gra- a lower grade as lower opposed to grade. going coming from a mountain down to the bottom. Exactly. So that's where the oral medication has a lower grade to that and our doctor can say, all right, you're experiencing a little bit. Now we know this level of buprenorphine in the system will prevent that and to evaluate that. And that's after a period of time has not, uh, has nothing to do with they're going to decrease it. That's in combination with your counseling and the doctor and the period of time and the supports you've already put in place. So all those still play into instead of just saying, well, we're going to decrease the meds. These all the factors have to be put into play before any reduction. Okay. So what are the pros of taking buprenorphine or suboxone? Well, you're doing it. The you're doing this 
personally. You're taking care of yourself without anybody else knowing it. You're addressing the with a medication that you don't have to be no longer in the public eye and privately to do this. It breaks down that personal stigma. The medication is effective and quickly, and I'm a little lost. <laughs> so basically, there's <laughs> there's not much. There's, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> well, that's why I did this the opposite way. Yeah, I wanted to do the cons versus the positive. <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to. I think if you're going to go out in the real world, most people that are truly on a path to recovery, most, and I'm not saying everybody, are usually probably on Suboxone and not on the methadone. I find. The methadone is a little bit more questionable about how many of those people are truly on the path to, to true recovery and treatment as opposed to the people who are on the Suboxone. That's not to say that there's not people playing both sides against the middle uh, in both cases, but... And Johnny come lately to the methadone centers. They were quite aware of buprenorphine treatment adding to the market in 2002, uh, in 2004, really hitting the market and f- kind of slow to the market for themselves to engage that they could actually offer buprenorphine within their methadone centers. Some have, some still refuse to even look at it. And it should be evaluated at the least amount of impact to a patient to find recovery should be started first. A person needs from detox or, or internal to support centers, and then other things should be prescribed prior to being put onto methadone. And they finally came around to the recognizing that they should also offer that prior to being put on methadone. Is, is it a money issue, just out of curiosity? I think it's a treatment philosophy that they had uh, and they have. And, and, they, just, they, and the logistics of they actually possibly have to close the methadone part of the center to then reopen up. And that's some of the governmental standards then open up a methadone center, and that was confusing to them. And it comes down to financial, who's getting paid and what bucket, because they're paid by the government as well. So that was a different uh, differential. Okay. Uh, that, that was actually, that last minute was for me more than it was for everybody <laughs> else out there. I was more curious about that because I've always been curious about how these guys make their money. Yeah. But anyways, so I think in the end here, what we really come to as a conclusion is really, if you had a choice, you'd be better off to try Suboxone or buprenorphine first. If that does not work after repeated times of trying it, then methadone is always an alternative. However, if you really need the structure and or, and or you're pregnant and you're not sure, maybe the methadone is the way to go and you should explore that. And I'll throw for our other next segment is also the utilization of maybe of a longer acting injectable. Oh, come on. What is this? used prior. So I'll throw the hook in for our next segment a lot before even going uh, away from the oral opiates. And there may be a longer acting one prior to even going into. So stay tuned for your future podcasts. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. This was episode number five. If you are looking for more information, please check out our library of other podcasts that we've already done and that we will be doing. If you need some information, you can feel free to give us a call, 877-557-3155, or you can go to our website, which is drughelp.info, D-R-U-G-H-E-L-P.info. And irregardless, why do I always use the word irregardless? It's regardless of where you might live, feel free to give us a call. We might not be able to help you individually for your medication 
treatment, but we'd be more than happy to be a resource for you to find treatment in your area. Thank you very much and have a great day.